Hello, and uh, welcome to the SBS Cycling Podcast. Is there anything else left to say about Alejandro Valverde? It's become almost boring recording his wins as he heads towards the winter of his career. We've all seen some, seen some truly special riders, but cycling's man for all seasons is, in my opinion, the greatest rider on the road today. Valverde said overnight, I was born to cycle, not to play football, after he took his fifth flesh alone title and uh, fourth in a row uh, in Hui. I've loved it since I was a child. I was hungry to win, and I never lost it. And I've got to say, it shows when he races. And at risk of biting the hand that feeds me, I cannot, I can't not comment on the ASO treatment of the women of Flesh Wallon. Overnight, we had three minutes of race vision with no commentary, complete with poor camera work. The only reason we started our Flesh stream early was in the hope that we could get something more, as we did the week before with Amstel. The rundown later confirmed that we wouldn't. The demand is increasing, and we will stream it if it's available. It's 2017. The excuses have worn thin. And as far as I'm concerned, the women deserve better. On today's podcast, we take a trip to the Ardennes and talk Turkey over the dominant riders of the current season, including Philippe Gilbert, Greg Van Avermaet, Alejandro Valverde, Anna van der Breggen, uh, and the rest. We'll also take a look back at the Track World Championships, where Australia topped the medal tally, and Cameron Meyer once again distinguished himself as perhaps this country's greatest track rider. And also on the table for discussion, will the world come to an end before the Cycling Australia Road Nationals ever leaves Bunanyong? If you followed me over the years, you'll know where I stand, but let's see what our round table thinks. With me today are, as usual, Anthony Tan. Hello, Phil. Ride Media Publisher Rob Arnold. Hello, Phil. And, and Anthony. <laughs> Hello, Rob. Hello, Phil. And uh, Jamie Finch Benninger. Yeah, hello to the table. Let's, right. uh, let's get started, shall we? Okay, well, it's been a torrid period for cycling. We love this time of the year, don't we? Torrid? Torrid. Does that mean, like, uh, filled with scandal? Yeah, I think that has negative connotations to it. Now. Or just hectic, do you know? Hectic, okay. Yeah. Hi, hectic. Frantic. Oh, jeez, you guys are pedants, aren't you? Well, well we're, we are in the media. Yeah. I do edit. We've had the classics. Uh, what, what do we miss since we've uh, since we did our last pod? We missed. Uh, we talked about Flanders last. That's right. So we missed uh, a wrap on Flanders. We didn't talk about Roubaix, mm -hmm. and of course we're we're into our final leg of the Ardennes coming up this weekend. So there's a whole lot that's gone on. There's a whole lot that's gone on. But and then there was that Easter period, four days of glorious riding. Honestly, I absolutely smashed myself on the weekend. Oh, that's right. You had a long day week, after long day weekend. after day after day. I think I did eight hours a day. I did morning shift with one child, went home, refueled as in eight, and then went out again with the next child. So, okay, I'm riding with my kids, but I can tell you, if you do eight hours every day, you sleep pretty well. feel great now. I sat on the, uh, on the lounge over the long weekend and watched Coachella <laughs> and ate <laughs> chips, right? So I was pretty productive. Okay. You know, some great bands, some uh -huh. great, great, great bands, but, um, you know, I'm here to say that uh, New Order, as far as I'm concerned, was the best of the lot. Okay. That I know I'm speaking like an, I know I know I'm speaking I know I'm speaking like an old boomer, about. but you know, it was good to see some 61 year olds actually kicking some ass on stage, okay. and they were. Anthony, I, what did you do? Um, on Sunday, I went to this um, lagoon, I guess if you like. Uh, it's called Watermola in the Royal National Park, and as I was uh, driving down there, I happened to come across uh, Sarah Hammond. Actually, I believe she was. She wanted to finish the last bit 
of her indie pack, mm. that, as yeah. I understand it. So she took, started where she left off when the circumstances surrounding my core and then proceeded to finish. That's my understanding. So, um, do you have a chat? No, no, she was, she was towing a bunch of riders up the hill. Like, um, yeah, I think some people were, were riding with her. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow. It's still going on. I mean, guys are still finishing. Guys are committed. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah, a picture yeah. of her dipping a wheel at Bondi. So, mm, mm. so some she has arrived. She yeah. had arrived. She went back. She started again. Yeah. Yeah. So some of those guys decided to continue. Some stopped and then resumed, and then some, like say, our colleague and friend Rupert Guinness, decided not to um, keep not going. to do anything at all. Yeah. Until, although he's already said he'd love to do it uh, next year, so that's kind of like this ongoing thing. Plus, I'd, I know this is off topic, but I would like to know still what happened. We're to going to Michael. find out. Yes, yeah. I, I had uh, I had a conversation with someone in the know uh, with uh, with the Indie Pack uh, was last week. Yeah, I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. But things are moving. Yes, I'm I'm pretty confident that the race will go on. Uh, next year. Um, how about you, Jamie? Um, well, I've decided I'm far too unfit at the moment for, for the upcoming soccer season. So my legs have been hurting as I've been trying to train up for um, getting back to put, strapping the boots on. So that, that was my weekend, really. Okay. Apart from that, fairly lazy, just lamenting how unfit I am, basically. Let's talk about mm. bike All right, riding. Let's talk about Classic Sardin's uh, Anthony. Mm. Big picture view. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, we haven't had the or you final. Can dive, haven't... You can dive down into the detail if you want. Uh, I, I thought we were going to... I think the big picture ra- emerges, on Okay, let's do Are a wrap on Are we going to do one by one, or how do you want to do it? Let's go with Roubaix. Do, do, yeah. Just do picture review? Flanders, yeah. Roubaix. How about, how about those two? Okay. We did Flanders. Oh, we, we did, did Flanders. Sorry. Yeah, we, we talked did, yeah. about Phil Jill. Oh, that's right. Know. Yes, yes. Okay, so we'll take a pass on Ned Flanders, and we'll... Jeez, uh, who yeah. won Roubaix? GVA. GVA. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, I, thought, I thought that wasn't... <laughs> Seems like years ago, isn't it? I don't know. People, I guess some people think I'm BMC bashing, but it wasn't... I thought Flanders was better than... Roubaix for me. Uh, oh, what what I'd have to say though is that um, based on you know if we talk about the Ardennes races, I have to say that it's or just yeah big picture. I think course changes are good because uh, even though there was that uproar over the, uh, the removal of the Kapelmer in. In Flanders, then they inserted it back in 100 kilometres from the finish. It did have an effect. Um, and then with Amstel, it was a, I thought that was a great race, one of the, the best, probably the best classic I've seen this year on par with maybe San Remo. Uh, and I have to say, flesh for me, they need to, okay, they inserted a climb like the, you know, whatever, beforehand but it didn't it doesn't really it just reduces the group leading to the murder hui and uh i don't really find it that stimulating i think flesh is yeah it needs to do something what was good about it differentiate itself from the rest from the rest of the races is that what you're saying or to to, break a race up well just to see valverde like it's a script you know like i published a thing today about the repetition of it, you know, we're so used to it. And it's just not even a surprise. Like he dominates it. He does so well. And so does... But that's, not to say, that's not to undermine the effort. It's an amazing effort. Like you say, he's just such a... He's 36. He's going to be 37 pretty much next week, I yep. think. And is that right? Close could, enough. Could that be? Close yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. he's been around forever. 
And he just keeps on keeping on. And and basically we're seeing the female Valverde in Van der Bregen, and yeah. she's now on three in, three in a row. So, mm. yeah, it does, it does, it is formulaic, and it uh, it definitely favours a... Yeah, I will say specific it, rider. I will say it does offer one of the best moments of the cycling season to see them going up the murder hoy. It's um it's a spectacle that is uh, hard to hard to um, really compete with in a lot of other races. Um, I was watching it with a friend with my roommate who doesn't follow cycling, and he was blown away by the spectacle of Valverde just accelerating mm. away from the bunch. And he was like, "Crap! I didn't didn't think that they could do that sort of thing on a hill that's obviously that steep." And you see the other guys fighting with the bike, and just a superb athlete like Valverde accelerating away whilst mm. everyone else is you know struggling just to keep up the momentum. So I think it does offer it does offer something special, but you see the organisers trying to get away from that. Um, set formula, and I think they almost did it this year. It was a group of about what forty. Bob Jungle's almost ro- spoiled the party, but yeah, that says yeah. it all. You know, he had thirty seconds with yeah. a kilometre to go, and yeah, you and need you, like fifty seconds. Ordinarily, you? you're thinking possible, but it is very, very steep ramp, mm. and that makes. It, and I think what spoiled it perhaps is like Roman Bardet. He put in a big effort, but it went nowhere, and he just got boxed in. So we don't, we didn't see the best climbing. We saw. I mean, but that's bike racing. You need to be well positioned, obviously. But I think probably the highlight was seeing those two young FDJ riders give it some stick before Valvedo went. And it was like, you know, um, Ant McCrossan was screaming, it's the youngest guy in the race. He's 20 years old. Oh, my God, look at this guy go. And there's going to be – that kid will be massive if he can, can keep this form going. Not large as in physically, but yes. his no, potential yeah. is massive. So all of the, the other races – have you know developed characteristics and have enough uh, enough there's enough latitude there for them to play with potential outcomes from year to year. I mean, mm. obviously, Paris Bay is different because that race is always about wild cards in a sense. Mm. Anything can happen. Mm. Um, but with the other races, they need a race like uh, like Flesh uh, needs to needs to break things up again. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, what I was saying is. You know, Amstel could have stuck with the same formula, and they did for a long time, and that became formulaic. Uh, that that change that they made made it really exciting. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat last couple of hours. It was great. Uh, the it was also good to see Van Avermaet, you know, Paris Roubaix winner, compete in Amstel, and and at the real uh, pointy end of the race, I, I thought. You know, aside from those, I guess what made it maybe a little bit distasteful is his comments blaming the team afterwards. I thought this guy, geez, he should really be saying what a great team, as well as what a great ride he's done or spring also. I think, I mean, the team's bloody good. BMC, they, they, they get the best riders because they've got a big budget to do that. I mean, how... You can only get so many riders because there's also other teams after those types of riders as well. Mm. Um, okay, there's only a couple of winners and maybe in that pool then you've got those guys who can help those guys. But in, in the last 10 or 15 kilometres of these 250 to 270 kilometre races, it's kind of man against man anyway. Um, mm. is, is the Is the... The winning pool of riders so this year is that uh, is that a negative thing? I mean, we've seen obviously Van Avermaet, we've seen uh, Philippe Gilbert, and uh, and of course Valverde in some of the, some different races. And Kwiatkowski. And Kwiatkowski is a maybe a, let's say we, he'd be a, a, the one the one different rider mm-hmm. in, in many ways, even though we know his quality. Um, is that a problem? I mean, we get too narrow a group of riders at this time of the year, or or do we really need to see? 
a wider group step up. I mean, a little bit, Sagan is, I guess, is the one who's been noticeably just slightly off the pace of some of those guys. Well, I guess you had uh, Cancellara and Bon, and you th- people thought the um, the exit of those guys might change the the dynamic. And but then you've got this new group of Sagan, Van Avermaet, uh, and then your your old guard of Valverde. I mean, they're, they these guys are simply. A level above. There's only. It's just like I remember Cam Meyer telling me. There's only about five, four, or five guys who can win the Tour de France. There's only about four, five, six guys who can win a, a big classic. Aside from you know, you mentioned Phil the the lottery that is Roubaix, but then the lottery that is Roubaix. I mean, a favourite still. I think one. Yeah, probably if you're talking about winner and winner alone, then perhaps I understand your point. But then mm. just yeah, just scroll down just a little bit just to see who's sort of coming through. Like Dylan Tones came mm. third yesterday. We wouldn't have. I wouldn't. I was wondering what Alessandro Demarchi was doing. You know, trying to soften the blow and prompt the chase. And from BMC, I didn't know who the, their protected rider was. Was it Dylan Tones? We don't know. I would have thought Sammy Sanchez coming into the race, but um, yeah, I mean Tones just came out and did a tremendous result on that sort of climb. I mean, which he hasn't been particularly. Um, setting himself for he looks like a classics rider, but mm-hmm. I hadn't thought he would be that explosive in a finale like that. Yeah. Did it? Did a big turn okay. on the front. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> similarly, you know, even guys like Sebastian Langerfeld, who came third in Roubaix. Okay, it was pretty clear that he was destroyed. Like he he had nothing for the sprint. But um, there were those three away. Then we saw the capture on the velodrome, and then the three still had the power to go ahead. So they were just a just a, a class ahead, and the the chase by the the. Who were the fourth and fifth guys? Uh, uh, oh, the, there, was, there was two who just got on yeah. in the, the back straight of the final But lap. clearly that effort mm. had destroyed mm. them as well. But yeah. I think, you know, the, if you just scroll down the rankings just the, that little bit, you, mm. you do get a, um, a broader sense of um, what's, what the cycling world can offer because everyone wants to belittle or, or suggest that Cannondale Drapak never win anything. But they got fourth mm. in uh, Flanders, third in Roubaix, and... From two guys who... Well, they have w- had one World Tour win this season. But, yeah, they are always competitive, which is what I, I like about Cannondale Drapak. I mean, despite the fact <laughs> that they don't actually win much, um, it's it's not for lack of trying. It's not for lack of being um, outgoing in their tactics. Mm. And I think that they do give it a red-hot red hot go, whereas some other teams, you know, if they're not going to win, they just pack up shop and ride around. Well, when Sepp van Mark crashed, and, and it was like, oh, oh, what are they going to do? Because he's their guy they're for good. April. Like, yeah. that was so clear. Yeah. But yeah. for example, no, they, they they deserve some credit. I probably hesitate to say that they're uh, to agree with um, Jamie saying they're always competitive, but I think they always try. Yeah. Uh, and but they have been competitive. I, yeah, certainly this spring, it feels like a, a different team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so what you're saying in essence is that uh, Rob is that rather than looking too much at the headliners. The, the big teams who deliver their riders to the finish. Mm. We should look for gems in below the top three. For well, example, uh, yeah, Nathan, Nathan Haas. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I was about to say. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, what a great ride from him. Um, and he was so close to going across to the front two there. Um, after they'd accelerated away, there was a time where they were trying to push out the gap and he tried to jump across and it was just agonizing because he was about... I don't know, he must have been about 30 metres off the back wheel there of uh, Kwiatkowski and just couldn't quite get it over and had to go back to the He was so close. See, we're talking about Nathan, even though he was fourth, (laughs) because 
He puts on a show. He, he lays yeah. it on the line. I think he, what was it? You've got to win with balls. Balls. Yeah, you've got to go out and give it a shot. And yeah. I had a, um, what is it, a Facebook message exchange with him as I walked to work this morning. And we're going to have a chat later today. And he was talking about, you know, just different things. His sister's due to have a baby and things like that are happening in his life. And he's sort of a bit, he's lamenting the, the life of a pro cyclist. But he's over there really loving uh Amstel Gold because that was sort of his target. He really he adores that course because it suits him. And for him to put on the show that he did on Sunday was, you know, that's something that brings people into cycling. When it had – I was saying earlier that this year that I was sort of losing my love of pro cycling, but April makes the brings the love back, doesn't it? Mm. So, um, But this gets this gets back to what Alberto Contador was, was talking about earlier in the year, about the things he'd, he'd probably be remembered more for is, is, is less about winning a Grand Tour and more mm. about – the efforts he made on important stages, maybe the stages that he lost, but mm. that he he put on a show. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, if you flick, I mean, I did flick through various television commentary during Amstel and a lot of people like Haas. Uh, that's, that's, that's quite yeah. obvious. So there's something about also the way he articulates himself, the way he rides, and it's a bit... Different, like I'm going to probably have a go at Bling here, Michael Matthews, because I felt that was the one race where he he did need to put his balls on the line, and you know he took offence to what uh, Philippe Gilbert said the preceding race, uh, Brablance Peel, and uh, basically Gilbert said you know he he didn't lay it on the line and he said, well, I, I'd love to be a rider like him yep. or uh, Kwiatkowski or someone like that. So, uh, but, you know, that was, I felt it was an opportunity that went missing because I think Michael Matthews can be a lot more than just a guy who has a, sits in and has a fast finish. But, but he has, he has talked about that, I mean, about, about shifting, shifting uh, his tactics and becoming more of that type of rider rather than mm. being the kind of rider who tends to, to be patient, super patient and just mm. wait and wait and wait for an opportunity. <laughs> That's right. Well, we right. saw it a bit at flesh. He was on the front of the peloton a lot of the time, just waiting for, just um, sitting in that spot and waiting for the move to go where he could latch on, and he tried a few times. Well, he was riding um, for buggy. Let's yeah, be clear. And that he, was yeah, absolutely yeah. stated yeah. tactics. Yeah. So. And, um, yeah, so he was looking to, you know, um, play a different role in that case, but um, that was because the final finale didn't suit him at all. So I liked yeah. watching him yesterday. I, I was... <laughs> Uh, I was uh, chatting with his wife while the race was going on and um, I was saying he's not touching the pedals. Like if Michael's cadence seemed to be double everyone else's. He just seemed to have have a complete control of his bike. I said he's going to go top 10. I think he ended up 11th or something because um, he, he just – you could he stood out because he he just seemed to have a very light gear and and Nathan was doing the same so they're just um, I don't know yeah I, I I the way I felt that I saw Matthews in perhaps the best form ever was last year's Amstel Gold where he had that kind of tit for tat with Gero and then he made a comment after that he goes I'm gonna do something you know if I'm gonna be still riding with Gerens then. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go with those yeah, those big moves. And like he had a so. bit more mongrel last year than he, did, than he has so yeah. far this year. And I think he's, he, he paces himself very well. Hmm. Hmm. He said it about three years ago that he's going to win the Worlds in Norway, so we can wait for that. <laughs> just kick back. Don't Just uh, yeah. place your bets now if you're that kind of guy, person. 
But uh, I don't gamble. But uh, I, I, I like his, um, his targeting. I think that's good. And we, but we will wait to see. I don't know if uh, Liège is going to be one for him. But we'll see. Yeah, um, looking actually looking forward to Liege because obviously we're going to have that on uh, on SBS Iceland on a weekend on Sunday night. You got um, the Keen and McEwen duo? No, actually, no. But, yeah. We're 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 uh, what are we what are we doing on a weekend? We get David Bashir and uh, and Hank, right? A little bit different because of availability issues and whatever. So Tomo's, I don't know, going out. Uh, I think he's going on a hunting trip. He's going to shoot bears or something. I don't know. He's just—he's uh, busy. Tomalaris. He's paddling kayaks, yeah, riding or something. Bikes, I don't killing know. Killing animals. He's become bear grills or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, he's busy, and everybody else seems to be busy. So you're going to get Bash, and uh, and you're going to get Hank. And they've worked together before, so it'll be all right. It'll be a yeah. snappy little call. Mm-hmm. Good race. So, but yeah, looking forward to Liège. What do we see happening there? I mean, we, are we gonna are we gonna see another Belverde party? Nathan told me this morning that because I was joking, I said, "Well, given that you're going to win on Sunday, let's have a <laughs> chat tonight." And he said, "No, no, I, I'm cruising. Like he's just destroyed from from flesh. He's tired, right?" And he said I, uh, that he understands why Gero opts out of the Wednesday race in advance of the Sunday race. So right. he's Gerens has won the old girl before. Um, he's going to be back. He's going to obviously what we saw yesterday was Orica Scott in form. They were all over the, the front of the peloton. They just were smashing it. They were doing a really good job in it, and the effort that they had to put in to reel back in Bob Jungels and Alessandro De Marchi was indicative of how fast those two were going in the break. Mm. So I, I think Garens is going to have a good shot. The team is in form. Uh, the Albacini was. Yeah, he's hot right now. He's, he's always good at this yep. time of the year. Mm-hmm. He's second in Liège by very, very little last year. God, who won it? That pulls and he's out this year. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he's out. So uh, just looking looking at uh, some of the starters in the start list, obviously we've talked about Garo. Obviously there's uh, uh, Valverde, uh, Kiakowski, Van Avermaet. Um, Van Avermaet again. Yeah, man. He keeps on going. You know, but there's some there's some good options here. Rafael Micah. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, he was uh, showing himself a bit yesterday. Right, and uh, and Jamie's Jamie's favourite is also uh, Ru- lining up. Rui yeah, Costa. Rui Costa. He was a bit disappointing at Flesh, but um, and at Amstel actually. So and he, uh, he I, was I, terrible at Roubaix. Well, he had, a, he, had a, he had a very good start to the season, which I think is largely due to the sponsorship arrangement with the team. He had to be good in those Middle East races, which he was. He was incredibly good in those races, and he won a won the Abu Dhabi tour, um, but he hasn't come back as strong during Ardennes, which might have been the payoff for being so good so early. So, hmm. I don't know. Maybe what is we'll... it about him that appeals? Oh, he's just an open guy. He's open with his fans, open um, on the bike. He's generally an attacking rider and a savvy rider when he gets into a break, hmm. and um, oh, he's just a joy to watch. I mean. I, I'm still struggling, um, just as an aside, I'm still struggling with replacing my favourite rider, which you know has always been uh, Tommy Volkler. Hmm. Right, so I'm I'm waiting um, I'm waiting for someone to really step up and capture my imagination. He's, he's, we we need someone to have that animated <laughs> riding style. My, I always talk about my kids, so I'm going to go back here. But my six year old on the weekend kept on doing this. Look, Dad, I'm doing the Vukla, and, and I, <laughs> I reckon that you need someone who has such a distinctive style to come back, so that people can have a little bit of fun, fun when they're it. mimicking their that's right. the riders. That's right. The Track World Championships were held in Hong Kong, and Australia topped the medal tally again, which we seem to do quite often at Track World Championships, but not at the Olympics. 
We tend to do it in the year after the Olympics. Yes. And yeah. we the, being Australia. But the best thing about it, I guess, the track worlds, I mean, for Australia, I guess we're, we're always kind of into it, uh, is obviously the uh, team pursuit. Uh, which I was love it amazing. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. And uh, and the other standout for Australia was, as always, uh, Cam Meyer mm. uh, and Amy Cure. And Amy Cure, yes, that's right. But Cam is uh, is is seems to have really come into his own again in a, in a sense, isn't it? They're like the whole road thing, the whole road caper, and now he's he's got this track focus, and bam, there he is again. He's meddling and doing all sorts of really interesting things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for for me being a a road aficionado, I'm not so into track walls, particularly not in a non-Olympic year. I don't know. I understand, okay, I don't want to get too blasé about, <laughs> say, winning a world championship because it's still a big deal, but, you know, and then I'm happy for Cam Mai, but uh, so I don't get, I can't say I was, I was uh, watching... And, and, but, they snuck but the interesting up and thing, then they went away. The interesting thing about about track, though, is that it's timed. Some of the key events are timed. Mm. So even in a in a non uh, say Olympic year cycle, say not this one, but maybe maybe the track world championships before mm. the Olympics, you still have something to go on because I mean the times are there. The times mm. are still valid. Yeah. That doesn't change. It was the third fastest team pursuit time ever, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. In setting qualifiers, and it would have been. I, I, put it out there that it would have been a world record only that they caught the Brits and had to go around them. So, you know, they were a fraction of a second off mm. the world record. So the performance is still valid, whether mm. it's whether it's in, a, in, in an off cycle mm. or whether it's when everybody's just primed and loaded to go. Yeah, that Maya can slot himself back into the team pursuit. That's something I took notice of, yeah, the, the, the time and then that how, he, how comfortably he, he slotted back into that with these guys who were, what, five, six... Seven years younger than younger, well, younger, younger, O'Brien, younger like I'd never even really heard. I'd heard the name before, but here he was doing this um, three fifty five seven seven or something. Like, I can't remember the time exactly, but it was the third fastest ever, and it was only seven thousandths of a second off the second fastest time ever. And and he's just turned eighteen. Is that right? Or did, is yeah. that, can that yeah. be true? Yeah, he's like, they love him down in Victoria. In um, I can't I can't go through a Facebook. You know, scroll through my feed without seeing somebody um, yelling about how great Kelly O'Brien is, and he's he must be an, an immense talent. Did, was he the starter? I didn't on see the it. on the finals. He was definitely during the. No, he didn't ride the finals. Yeah, he was in the qualifying, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fastest one. It's just amazing to think that there's this j- j- a junior. The like team, that's Bob the, Bridge, that's Dean Woods, that's sort of, you know, that yeah. pedigree. That's amazing. But that team, uh, just as my observation, it's it's really handy having somebody like uh, like Cam as a veteran anchor mm. with towing those kids around, effectively yes. kids. Um, your view, same thing? I think it's good. Like, yeah, Cam's kind of, I guess, like that. The elder statesman like McGee was, he served that purpose through, he, he kept, he saw a few generations of pursuiters come and go and Bradley was still there sort of, you know, giving, giving his lessons right through to Beijing. And uh, I guess Cam's come back into that role and he is, that, he's got that lovely, um, calm demeanour about him. I love talking to Cam Meyer. He, he, he never gives you a, a super quote, but he, he just tells the story as it is and he's pretty honest and... Um, and and he, when he's on fire on the track, I've said it before. Like that, the points race of 2012 was one of the 
the best, best things I've yeah. ever seen in sport. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah. It was so dominant. And the way that he just seems to stay on top of a massive gear and make it look easy is something that mm. just fills me with admiration. I love watching Cam Meyer go when he's on form. Yeah, I guess what separates Meyer and McGee, though, is that Meyer has, well, for the time being, given up the road for the track, whereas McGee, well, gave up the track for the road. And so this is, you know, it's a unique situation because uh, most people, I guess most people looking from the outside would would say, well, choose the road. There's there's more opportunity, like financial incentive to do so. So it's clearly a guy who shows you where his love is. Mm. I, I confess I'd say a lot more about the track worlds, but I was in Canberra and we didn't have <laughs> we have Fox at home and we didn't have so I, I didn't get to see a great and, deal. And I streamed the the team pursuit on my phone yeah. from a French feed, yeah. so I got to see the race that I really wanted to see, and uh, I I followed the women's Madison and from all accounts that was the race of the championship. It sounded amazing. But and we should point out that that was a debut Madison for the women. Exactly, right? it's never been run before, so. And, yeah. and I think Amy she crashed twice. Yeah, and it was crash fantastic, man. And just, yeah. but, so Amy Cure, just from my understanding, without while well, having been on holidays, on the holiday weekend, she got s- medals in six events at this one championship. Is that no, 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 no. That's across the yeah. course of her career. Across the yeah. course of her yeah. career, yeah. right. Yeah. Fill me in, Jamie. Oh. <laughs> I don't know all six events, but she's, she's a very versatile rider and you've seen her on the road as well. Um, she's... Uh, she's very well respected within the cycling community, but she seems to, I don't know if she hasn't decided on one particular event to concentrate on or what, what's what's entirely happening, but she seems to get shunted around from different events, mostly endurance uh, endurance stuff. Mm. And, um, yeah, she always performs well. It's, it's amazing. Too, I, too, I versatile, up to, too versatile for her own good. Yeah, I suppose. There's, there's some riders who can just do a bit of everything, aren't there, and they get slotted into everything without really concentrating uh, Jack of all trains, master of none. There's a proverb for you. Okay. Yeah. I was a bit. Uh, I, I felt for Rebecca. I was hoping for the hat trick of uh, of rainbow jerseys in the individual pursuit. Rebecca Wysak. I asked her just a couple of days in advance of the track worlds if she could do a diary for us, but she was committed to, um, you know, focusing on the job at hand. Uh, she's a journalist by trade. It would have been great to get her thoughts on it, but we'll have to look at that for the magazine and um, and see what she has to say. But uh, it's. For me, it was a shame. I was looking forward to the Hong Kong Worlds because it was sort of in our time zone. It was going to be good, but then we had our family adventure down to Canberra. So. Uh, just to wrap, just to wrap up this section, Australia finished on top of the medal table with three gold and eleven medals in total. Uh, France uh, ended up finishing second, five medals in total, and uh, Russia uh, finished third. They both won three golds, but um, it was on count back. Mm-hmm. So you know. Just another world championships, I guess. Mm. Well, uh, another world championships where Great Britain are nowhere to be seen, and then yeah. they pop up at the Olympics and win everything. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, but just, just <laughs> sorry, just to digress. You know, speaking about track cycling and velodromes, did you know that the where the final time trial of this year's Tour de France in Marseille it is starts and finish in the Stade Velodrome. But uh, the irony is that it's not a velodrome anymore. No, it's a and the guy stadium. who decided not to um, make it a velodrome was the uh, the guy who owned uh, Lovey Claire. So Bernard Tappy. 
Bernard Tapie. So he he started like one of the greatest cycling teams, you know, won the 85, 86 Tours de France. And then when he took over the, the football club, the, the Marseille football club, he decided, nah, we need more uh, seating Seats. capacity, so mm. we'll re- remove the velodrome. What a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> On that, I, given that we're talking about the track worlds, can I just make an observation? And, you, and, and anyone who's heard me speak understands that I love track cycling. You do? I do. I was there at the track again last night uh, and then it rained. But anyway. That was the outdoor track. At that Tempe. was the outdoor track. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, so I love track cycling. Let's just preface this little uh, statement with this little uh, exchange with that statement. But the Easter weekend with glorious weather provided us with an opportunity to ride our bikes. And I went out on the road and I saw hundreds of road cyclists. Uh, I went often to Mount, to Mount Stromlo. I spent many hours there on the weekend and I saw thousands of mountain bikers it was like the car park was full and but there was always a joy to ride the trails it wasn't it wasn't crowded it was wonderful to do if you go to canberra go to stromlo enjoy it fantastic if you did the time lapse of road and mountain biking on the easter weekend in most centers around australia there would be heaps of activity on road and mountain biking if you did a time lapse of the Tempe Velodrome, the, the Narrabunda track in Canberra, or many of the velodromes around Australia, there would have been zero activity. Yes. It's a problem. I just leave it there as a thought bubble. Mm. Digest as you will. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Cycling Australia and Road National Championships. How I love talking about Cycling Australia and Road National Championships. I don't think Cycling Australia wants me talking about Cycling Australia. No, I think, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep the, um, anything actionable, we'll, we'll keep that in our pockets. No. <laughs> I, I, I've said my piece. Yeah, that's, well, you have, yes. But um, we'll, talk about, uh, we'll talk about the Road National. Today, uh, that would be um, Thursday in April, they've announced that the Road Nationals will stay in Ballarat for three more years, which means... <laughs> That was my gobsmack sound. That's right, Anna. and uh, which means they didn't find an adequate uh, an adequate bidder because the uh, the previous agreement had ended at the end of uh, at the end of Roadnats this year. So no one else really was uh, stepped up and and uh, provided a a good uh, a good a good case for movement. So it stays in Ballarat, and they've got yeah. uh, full support uh, from the from the Victorian government, City of Ballarat, etc., which we know they've always had, but. I'm still of the same position that somebody needs to try a little bit harder. Come so on, what do you, Canberra. What Come do you on, think? Bathurst. Come, Come on, on, New South Wales Adelaide. government. Come on, New South Wales government. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, 2020. Yeah. 2020. So. 20. I mean, they want. I can understand Ballarat wanting that commitment. Yeah. But I don't understand. No, I'm not. And, and look, we, we've got to be clear here. There is absolutely no concern about what Ballarat does no. for the road nationals. They have That's been good vibe. phenomenal. The vibe has always been good. We know that everyone concerned puts on the best event possible. Yeah, and the locals don't mind it either. And mm. when you get a content populace to go along with, with you know, having uh, X thousand number of um, riders and fans coming into your town to disrupt things. I mean, I think that's a win in itself in a lot of ways because a lot of <laughs> a lot of the friction between the cycling community and, you know, other communities within Australia can be, you know, um, 
Negative. massaged a bit mm. by you know good relations uh, over big events like this. I think. Yeah, so I think it's, it's yeah. Sorry, sorry it's yeah. the fans, it's the Mount Bunningyong, it's the Mars bars, it's the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, there is a review of the Mount Bunningyong course, so. Maybe that will result in a different circuit where we can see a different winner. Um, I so don't know. Is is that the happy medium, Jamie? Is that so? One of the one of the criticism of Bunyong is that there is almost no opportunity for for a modern day sprinter to win on that on that course. Debatable, but the reality is the course suits a certain type of rider. Mm. Unless um, Peter Sagan changes his nationality, which is quite or possible. Unless Michael Matthews comes home mm. in January, or unless Caleb. Decides he's going to turn himself into something other than a pure sprinter. He went pretty close the other year yeah, against Heinrich. So is is that is that is that what? Okay, we've got this this course which kind of produces a an aspect of formulaic. I like riding. the course. I, I like yeah, I like uh, the familiar the familiarity of it. But like I also think that can't we just have Ballarat one year and then somewhere else one year and then somewhere else one year and then even if it's a cycle of three which, cities, which perhaps. is my point. But obviously there's no one else. Oh, obviously no no city town whatever locale came up with the same commitment. Commit, so and often, then, yeah. then yeah. Adelaide just couldn't seem to put itself in Victoria. <laughs> For example. Well, I mean, the Victorian That's government right. does do a, a good job in supporting these cycling events as well. I think that needs to be... I think South yeah. Australia deserves some recognition for what they do for cycling South, as well. South Australia do the Tour Down Under. What, else, what other races do they do? What they do? What? Have you been to the Tour Down Under? Yeah, what I've been, I've been to, to the do? Tour Down Under. <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying that uh, Victoria is constantly hosting, hosting races across the cycling season, not just, yeah. you know, yeah. one week in January. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. let's go back to this idea about changing the course. So... Um, you're pretty close to the local scene. I mean, have you heard any any rumours or what they might do? Oh, no, I haven't, I haven't heard anything from Cycling Australia on this one. I mean, it's been fairly fairly, like fairly open secrets that um, it's going back to Ballarat for a while now. Hmm. Um, was the rumour about Canberra and Bathurst even close to...? Gold, Gold Coast was mentioned as well, yeah. Okay. Um, I think Ballarat was always um, the front runner, um, given that given the relationship that they have with the council there and the, with the Victorian government. So I don't I don't think the other one... I mean, they w- would have been considered, but... Consider yeah. the season, yeah. right? So it's January. We accept that it's pretty much second or second weekend of January. Yep. Had it not been that time, maybe Noosa would have chucked in a bid. But, like, Noosa doesn't need more people in January. No, it's packed. But yep. I'd love to go to Noosa for the Nationals. Yeah, if it was Noosa, so... Noosa or the GC, I'd yeah. go because I like that? the beach. Hello, <laughs> Queensland government. I would, I would say if we did move it if we did move it up north somewhere, that would absolutely kill the Bay Criteriums because a lot of people go down to the Bay Crits and then get a few races under their belt yeah, before yeah. going to Ballarat, which is, you know, just up the road from Geelong. Mm. And if it was moved to Gold Coast or something, you'd get half the field... Even you know probably half the crowd. I wouldn't go to the Bay Crits because you know I can't. I can't be yeah, bouncing around. I, 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 those yeah, look, there's some validity to that. But the, 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 the Bay Crits would be isolated in a sense and become. Much I mean, that's more not that's not good enough. For no, 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 that, not but, at all. But I yeah. think that's probably why there aren't bids from elsewhere. Like I think, for example, there's a. I'm from Coffs Harbour. I haven't been there for a long time, but there's a good recycling scene there, and um, it would. And there's a uh, a council which is proactive in in terms of trying to lure people to visit, but in January they don't need to yeah. lure people. People go there naturally because it's summer. So Ballarat isn't exactly an ideal summer destination, but they're pulling people there because of cycling. So it's the the fall in the season which is probably 
destroyed the bidding from other possible candidates or not. I just thought of that then, but yeah, yeah. That's well, valid. it's pretty hard to get draw. I think in from Ballarat's perspective, it's pretty hard to lodge a case to kind of go there otherwise at that time of the year, isn't it? I mean, what's the What's the draw? What's, What's the draw apart um, from the gold rush thing? Gold. Yeah. Can we keep going on about the gold rush? <laughs> but let's get let's get back to the course for a second. So, um, <laughs> failing failing the lack of movement, right? The geographic it, movement of the of the event. Um, we'd like to see a change in the course. Change the, the, is good. A, I think, a, a I think, change in yeah. the course that advances a different type of rider. Yeah, yeah and exactly. I think that's very possible with the with the sort of terrain they've got around there. It's you know that there aren't that many steep hills. Uh, around the Ballarat area, you have to go searching for them, really. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we did see a change in course. And there's you know, plenty of roads around there to do it on. I'm, I'm surprised that it's always been on Mount Bunny Hill throughout the time. Um, well, just look what they did with Armstall this year again. I'm saying it, but they they made it a better race. So as the Bunny as it is now, it's a, it is a great race. We've seen great races for... Uh, every single year, year yeah. it's right. been contested, yeah. but it's it's important to cha- even if you don't see as you might not see as it's all in the eye of the beholder. But mm. if you don't see as good a race according to whoever, then so be it. But at least have a go at changing it and mixing what, it up. What yeah. about while we're on the topic of, of we're, changing? We're going clo- to close with this while we're on the topic. Uh, okay, but so a couple of months or weeks ago, there was this huge. Uh, fanfare, well, one press release about <laughs> Hammer Time and how Hammer Time was going to revolutionise uh, cycling yeah. and yeah, change yeah. the world yeah. and everything. And people were going to be coming in their millions and being forced to watch this amazing event. I haven't heard anything about it since. But that the, the debut of that's going to be more or less where the Amstel Gold is, was contested. Um, are we... Have, has anyone heard any more murmurings? Is no. there going to be an Australian Hammer Time or no. Hammer Series or Hammer whatever it is? Are you talking Hammerhead. about the Velon, the Velon, the Velon initiative? Oh, I think it's in June. June. But that's the yeah. first one. They said that's yeah. – so are they going – but wasn't it to be a series mm. or is yeah. a series one race? Don't know yet. Uh, a it? series of four races. I'm in the cycling media. I haven't heard anything. Mm. Well, well, I'm sure we'll find out when it happens. But we'll you we'll be watching with keen interest. That's a whole other topic. Yes, it That's is. like Jamie coming in the other day and saying, all right, now let's talk about women's racing when we were basically were trying to sign off. That's okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll end with that. No. It was silly, a silly way to end. No, no. In- Rob, Rob often gets the last. Leave him with. Why don't we do th- predictions for the age? Oh, yes. Just okay. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Anthony. Oh, shivers, man. I don't know. Kwiatkowski, is he riding? Yes. Okay, him. All right. Just because I'm parochial, I'm going to say Nathan. 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 Uh, I'll, this time. I'll be parochial, but in a different sense. I'll go for Roman Kreutziger. Ooh, oh. not, not Rui Costa. No, no, it's not a big problem. I was definitely, I was sure you would do Rui. Yeah, I sure you did. You've totally <laughs> Just for all time's sake. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, with Alejandro. Oh, yes. Alejandro Valverde. Your favourite. That's your, right. After Tommy V. That's right. TV. Mm. So, I know one thing, Tom Boonen's not going to win it. No, he's not. Yeah. Uh, so in bringing this to a close, I'll, uh, I'll remind everyone to tune into SBS Viceland or uh, head online to the uh, Cycling Central web- website for our live broadcast of Liège, Baston Liège, which starts uh, from 10.15 AEST 
uh, on uh, on Viceland. Uh, we're still waiting for uh, actual timings for streaming online, but we'll probably be doing that as usual. That's about it from us. We'll uh, talk to you later. <laughs>